Today's episode contains references to trauma and sexual violence. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. Late last year, I started hearing rumblings about an internal investigation at the Bureau of Police. One officer had accused another of sexual assault. I didn't hear how things ended exactly, only that some of the people following it didn't agree with the outcome. A few months later, I talked to the alleged victim and found out why. I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I, each time the city had the opportunity to make its own choice and to do the right thing, I sat back and waited for them to do that. And each and every time, they'd take a hard left in the, you know, like the opposite direction. It's Monday, July 25th. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. It's been more than a year since something happened that changed the life of Officer X. That's what I'm going to call her because she wants people to know this story, but not at the cost of her Google search results until the end of time. I wanted to be known for the officer I am. I wanted to be known for the work I did. I wanted to be known for for the people I helped. And now I'm known for being somebody else's victim. As she's told it many times, including before a judge, she just finished a shift on Saturday, June 19th, 2021. It was about 4 p.m. And as she would write later, a beautiful day. A cookout was starting near the garage doors of the Zone 5 station on Washington Boulevard. One officer was grilling half-pound hamburgers. Another, Officer Aaron Fetty, brought out drinks, and he gave her one. Officer X nursed the cocktail, Tito's vodka and diet ginger ale, alongside a burger and a bottle of water. She testified later she was the only woman there, but by the Bureau's most recent count, male officers outnumbered women six to one last year. Being the only woman on a shift, especially in patrol, isn't abnormal. Officer X wrote afterward, these weren't just any group of men. They were her shift mates. It was kind of nice to just be able to connect with her colleagues, de-stress, make friends, not worry. After a while, the group starts talking about where to go next. They land on Industry, that bar on Butler Street in Lawrenceville. Officer X figures it was around 7 p.m., and she was already feeling the two to three drinks she'd had in the parking lot. From this point on, in testimony and other writing, X is clear that her memory is not. She remembers being at the bar, talking to some women, celebrating a bachelorette party, and later vomiting in the bathroom. She says she'd rarely previously vomited from drinking. By the time everyone was ready to leave, there was some back and forth about how to get everyone safely back to the zone or straight home. Officer Fetty testified that he was the most sober of the bunch and made some calls. One was back to the zone. An on-duty officer was coming to pick up at least one other male officer and possibly others. Court transcripts don't dig too deeply here. But both Fetty and Officer X agree he drove X to her home. Officer Fetty didn't return our calls for this story. But later, he testified in civil court that he helped her to her front porch, gave her two bottles of water, and sat with her as she drank them. He said he took her upstairs to her bedroom. 
He said he told Officer X she was, quote, really messed up and asked if he should help to take off her dirty pants. He told a judge she agreed that he removed her pants, put her in bed, and lay beside her, but that he left after she tried to kiss him. X's memories are fuzzy, fragmented, but she shared a consistent story in court documents and her own writings for months. She testified, quote, I remember lying on my back and feeling like my arms and legs were too heavy to move and looking up at light. I remember Officer Aaron Fetty's head looming over me and his mouth was moving. I don't remember him saying anything except, you're so hot, you're so fucking hot. I remember thinking, oh no, but I couldn't do anything. And I remember being kissed. Officer X woke up around 4.30 in the morning, sore all over, she testified, with a headache and a stomach ache and soreness in her legs and hand. She wasn't wearing pants. And even though she's an officer, someone trained to preserve evidence, she's also human. She had somewhere to be. I don't have time to be a victim right now. I don't have time to clean up this person's mess. I've got, I've got my life. I've got, I've got things on deck. I they, that are time sensitive, and I can't take time out to to deal with this. So first was like accepting that no, you have to, um, you have to deal with it, and then just um, and I still don't know that I've successfully done this, but accepting the the mantle of victim, that victim part that came in waves. And as she says, mostly later, in the moment, her alarm is blaring, it's still dark outside, and soon she's due across the state at a -a once-a-year police training she's been looking forward to since her academy days. She needs to pack, and her car is still across town at Zone 5. She had a choice. Laundry for the trip and getting her cats to the kennel before carpooling with fellow officers, or a visit to the hospital for a rape kit and toxicology report. She says, I picked my career. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org.
I was not right for a few days. Um, just, I don't know, like, kind of sick. I couldn't eat a whole lot. Um, very thirsty. And just general discomfort. Over the next few days, and while she was away, X talked to co-workers around them that night, mostly via text. She wrote later, I kept my tone light and non-confrontational. I was looking for information, and I didn't want to scare them off of telling me what they knew. With Fetty, she texts first, then called. In one exchange, he wrote, Sometimes no memories are the best memories. LOL. Eventually, she pieced together what she thinks happened, which she maintains includes being sexually assaulted in her own bed and in a state she feels couldn't possibly have yielded consent. She heard later, months later, that Fetty went back to the Zone 5 offices after leaving her home that night and told another officer about the encounter. That same officer later testified. He told a judge that he'd asked Fetty how he was doing because he knew Fetty had been out drinking. According to the officer, Fetty said, quote, I'm fine. I just got laid. Fetty, for his part, testified that he might have said, I could have got laid. Officer X heard all this, or pieces of it, and decided to act, but she wanted to be strategic. In the civilian world, most alleged victims of sexual assault are afforded a degree of anonymity when filing a police report, because the cops will still know who to come to for information. When filing from within our own office, X had hoped for something similar. Working together, someone close to her filed an anonymous formal complaint against Fetty to the city's Civilian Office of Municipal Investigations. It's called OMI, and they can hear from anyone with concerns about a city employee's conduct. That complaint listed X as a witness. I was worried about backlash. I've been in the zone, and I've, you watch the water, water cooler discussions happen, and I knew this was going to be one. But the decision to file anonymously and as a witness led to some pretty big consequences. In, in the investigation and as a witness, I had no rights to know anything about it other than it had been concluded. X says she asked multiple times with multiple people to be reclassified as a victim so she'd have more rights through the process. Erin Bruni is the manager of the city's Office of Municipal Investigations, and she says with anonymous reports. I might not necessarily then know who I can provide additional information to. But even if Bruni does know who to go to, even if someone asks to be reclassified, there's currently no protocol that allows for it. No way for a person to restore their right to occasional updates about their own case. No, but I think it's something we're having discussions about. So X waited. At this point, she'd been serving in the military reserves for more than a year. And when a full-time position opened with her reserve station, she took it. The military calls this active duty, which protects that person's civilian employment while they're serving. So in the fall, X started going to work every day with her service unit. But she kept her job with the Bureau as well. Not long after, X heard the OMI investigation was wrapping up, but still, no one contacted her directly. On November 15th, she got her answer. In a bureau-wide email, among the transfer updates, it listed Officer Aaron Fetty. He'd be moving to Zone 1, serving the north side. And that was it. 
X says no one ever notified her about any disciplinary hearings he may have attended or what the results might have been. She had an inkling it included a couple days suspension, but she wasn't sure whether he'd been paid or unpaid or exactly when those days occurred. In the meantime, Allegheny County also reviewed the case. They declined to prosecute. A spokesman for District Attorney Steven Zapala's office said they were unable to move forward with any criminal charges because they didn't believe they'd be able to sustain a burden of proof. The year was drawing to a close. A new mayor had been elected. X knew that often meant a change in regime, especially for the chief and public safety director, who the new mayor-elect, Ed Ganey, had been criticizing publicly for months. And she'd started to hear something else. Historically, OMI investigations and the results are confidential. But for police-related complaints, the Bureau has its own extra process. At every level, supervisors and commanders, all the way up to then-Chief of Police Scott Schubert, they all review investigatory materials and make a recommendation for discipline. It could be verbal or written. Maybe it's a suspension or a termination. There's lots of options, depending on the severity of the complaint and how the officer seemingly handled it. That same group then convenes for a hearing with the officer in question to listen to their side. Often, officers will ask for union representation during these meetings, which Fetty did. The chief then signs off on his or her, in Pittsburgh, it's almost always been his, best recommendation. Then the public safety director, who may or may not attend these meetings personally, they have final say. This was the process through which Fetty was reassigned from Zone 5 to Zone 1. But at the time, Officer X heard whispers that the Bureau had recommended something else. That command staff, including the chief, recommended firing Fetty. And the public safety director, at the time, Wendell Hisrick, overrode them. X says she was horrified. So she started Googling and writing one very long email. My name is Many of you know me, and I think in these last six months, most of you have heard something about me, but almost none of you have heard about it from me. With this email, that changes. Next time in our Officer X series, hear what she shared in that email and the legal process that followed. This series was reported in partnership with Rich Lord for Public Source. You can find our written piece online in our show notes and at publicsource.org. Plus some truly beautiful art and images from Stephanie Strasberg and Andrea Schockling. Music in this episode is by Beau Moll, Sauvé, and Ava Lowe for Epidemic Sound, plus Pittsburgh's own Benji. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. You know the drill. Please rate and review us. Let us know what you like and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city and with part two in this series very soon. We'll talk to y'all again soon.